Come on in, grab your seats. Didn't our worship team lead us so beautifully tonight? I, I told them as they were coming off the stage, if you can't preach after that, you need to brush up your resume. Um, so thank you for the team's excellence. And one other thing I want to say before we open the scriptures, I want to thank you for the way that you come ready to church. You are a congregation that's expectant. You come ready to do business with God. You're not passive. You're on the front foot. Pete Gregg was here three weeks ago, and, and uh, Brian Key was here last week, which was absolutely excellent. And both of those guys, Sammy Gregg was here too, Pete's wife, and they all three said to me, there is something about New Life Friday night that like this room is like ready to just go for it from the downbeat. So thank you. I, I don't take that for granted. It's not like that everywhere you go. So thank you for being those people. Now, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're in week nine, going through our Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' iconic uh, great sermon, announcing the kingdom and what it's like to be a part of the kingdom. So what I'll do is I'll read the text tonight, Matthew 6, 19 through 24, and then I'll pray and we'll jump in. So hear the word of the Lord tonight. These are Jesus' words, and he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So you see the juxtaposition. Treasures on earth, treasures in heaven. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, says Jesus, there your heart will be also. And the eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And Jesus goes on to say, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and and money. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you again tonight to speak. I come and I realize how little I have to offer. I cannot do this work. We open your scriptures believing that your scriptures are like a sword, a two-edged sword piercing to the dividing of soul from spirit and joint from marrow. Your, your, your word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. And so we ask, Lord, that your word would have free reign here tonight. We ask that the power of your word would race through this place. We pray that your word would transform our hearts to the deepest places. We pray, Lord, that you would make us new through the power of your word and by the power of your spirit. So we pray, Lord, may we decrease so that you might increase. We pray, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We pray these things tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. amen. We are looking at a text tonight about money and possessions and worry 
and storing up treasures in heaven. And we talk with our kids all the time about money. They're 15, 13, and 11. Our baby just turned 11 this week. And so at the dinner table, we'll talk. We, we want to talk uh, budget. We want to talk uh, business opportunities. We want to talk entrepreneurship. We want to talk about the market out there and saving and being frugal and taking opportunities to, to risk with, with something that can return with a reward. And we talk about money with our children all the time. Money is an absolutely crucial conversation. And I want to say, on behalf of of all the moments you've experienced in church, where a pastor has minimized the money conversation, or only made the money conversation about tithing, you know, made you feel stupid about thinking about money or condescending about money. I repent on behalf of all of those moments because Jesus is not afraid to talk about money. Jesus, it's interesting, the scriptures, there are about 500 passages in the Bible talking about prayer and faith. And there are over 2,000 passages about money and possessions. 2,000. <laughs> 500 prayer and faith, 2,000 on money and possessions. And Jesus talks about money more than any other single topic in his parables. Nearly 40% of his parables are about money. About half of his sermons, Jesus is bringing up this conversation about money and possessions and how it takes over our hearts. It's a big deal to Jesus. It's a big deal all throughout scripture because it's a big deal to humankind. Money causes stress for so many of us. Money causes the break in relationships, both marital and business relationships. All of us have stories where money went sideways and life got difficult. And so tonight we're going to put the red letters of Jesus in front of us to hear what Jesus has to say about money. So knowing that we all need money and knowing that money is not intrinsically bad and knowing that Jesus talks about money, let me put a small sampling of scripture in front of you tonight as we get started. I want you to see kind of a, a broad sweep, a sampling of what the scripture's saying, starting in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 28. What does God say about money? All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns. Now these are agrarian people and they need a blessing on their barns. They need a blessing on their crops. They need a blessing on their herds. They need, they need rain to come down. They're living in touch with the land. And God says, as you follow me, I will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that he is giving you. So this scripture is about blessing and abundance for the people of God. Proverbs 13, 22, in the old King James that I grew up on, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Scripture talks about inheritance and legacy, about being frugal, about setting aside, about, about being a part of provision for a people that are not yet born. A good man, a good woman, setteth up an inheritance for their grandchildren coming along. Scripture's not blushing about talking about money. Ecclesiastes 5.10. Old Solomon says, whoever loves money never has enough. <laughs> Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. And he says, this too is Havel, this too is meaningless. 
Whoever loves money, it's a conversation here on greed and discontentment. That the one who loves money will just never have enough. Scripture keeps talking about it. Hebrews 13, 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. And here's why. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Now, many of you have grown up in church and you could just go, God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He's talking, it's in the context of money. He says, hey, don't worry about it. Don't don't stress about it. Don't think that you're in charge. You're concerned about money, but I want you to know, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. What we're meant to hear is that if God is with us, we're going to be okay. 1 Timothy chapter 6, for the love of money, many of you have heard this and you've heard it said, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. No, it's a root of all kinds of evil. Doesn't mean money is intrinsically bad. Some people, though, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. The scripture from Genesis to Revelation and Jesus right in the middle want us to consider the impact, the power of money in our lives and in our imaginations. But now let's talk about money and worry. Jesus wants us to connect money and worry. Jesus preaches and he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. You could just put an ellipsis right there, dot, 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 and just meditate on that. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, Jesus goes on to say, about what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Look how, see how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even old King Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Not even Jeff Bezos. That's like, that was the reference of the day. Jesus was going, hey, remember that legend? That's what we would say. Like not even, Jeff Bezos looks like a chump compared to the wildflowers. And they don't spin and toil and work and they don't have closets and they don't wonder how, like settle down, says Jesus. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus connects the conversation about money with the, the, the reality of the way we worry about it all the time. But let me talk about worry. I'll say this, an initial hit of worry is not the problem. It's, that's called being human. That's called reading the news. That's called paying attention to the world that we live in and all of its complexity. It's a human response to the realities of the world. We analyze the situation. We think about our own needs. We think about what it costs to live. We think about inflation and skyrocketing. We think about the market volatility that we're living in. We think about supply chains. I mean, just even Ukraine, this war that they've been in. Ukraine is one of the great global suppliers of wheat. Moldova gets 92% of their grain or from wheat, their wheat from Ukraine. 
Lebanon gets 82% of their grain or wheat from Ukraine. Gosh, dang it. Get my mind right. <laughs> Shando. Uh, okay. Pakistan, Afghanistan, Uzbekistan, all these nations, they get uh, the lion's share of their wheat from Ukraine. So we're over here, we're going, what are Ukraine and Russia? No, like this is real for people. Like people are going to grocery stores all over the world and they don't have what they need because of what's breaking out in that part of the world. It's real to be anxious and to be worried. The initial hit of worry is not the problem. That's called being human. Business owners who think about signing the front of the check for all of the people that they employ. They lay in bed at night carrying a burden that nobody else in their company carries. There's something about signing the back of the check that's kind of easy and kind of nice. You business owners who sign the front of the check and you know if the money's not in the account that that's gonna bounce and that people are gonna walk away. Like the initial hit of worry is not the problem. That's called being human. The problem is our all too natural propensity to make an unholy covenant with worry. It's almost become like a virtue to be someone who just lives in worry. I just, I just, I wound up not, I just, like Jesus says we don't have to live that way. The problem is our covenant with, we've made an unholy covenant with worry and we've just said that this has to be a part of our life and this is just our lot and this is just the way I'm wired and I'm an Enneagram insert number here and I carry that burden differently and and it's just a part of my makeup and my grandpa was, like we have made an unholy covenant with worry when Jesus is saying, peace I leave with you. An initial hit of worry is not the problem, but it is this unholy covenant where we've just said that this has to be a part of our story. And Jesus stands here tonight and he says, do not worry about your life. Look at the flowers. Look at the birds. The other problem about worry is our wrong response to worry. We start trying to stockpile and hoard we get scared. We read the news. We see the market volatility. We, want, we don't know what's happening with this next election. We don't know who's, is it going to be red? Is it going to be blue? And what are they going to do? They're going to blow the economy. And so what we try to do is we try to be God and stockpile and hoard and circle up the wagons and, and hedge our bets. And we got to make sure that we, you know, look out for number one. It's a natural human response, but Jesus has a different invitation for us tonight. This is what Jesus is reacting to in tonight's text. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now let me say what I don't think Jesus was saying, okay? Do not store up for yourselves. We can take that and and sort of make this this rigid thing. I don't think Jesus was saying, you can't have any cash on hand. You shouldn't have a retirement account. You shouldn't think about the future. I don't think Jesus was saying that. Why? Because you read Luke chapter eight and it tells us this story of all these, uh, these, these business women in Luke chapter eight and they get praised. Also, some women were with Jesus and they had been cured from evil spirits and various illnesses. The bottom line is the ministry of Jesus had blessed these women and their lives were changed. And these women were Mary, also called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna was one of the women whose husband Chusa was Herod's administrator. Susanna was one of the women. And then there were many others and they provided financial support for Jesus and his disciples. They paid Jesus's bills. 
They made his ministry possible. They gave him places to stay along the way. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man didn't have a place to lay his head. Jesus was couch surfing for, for three years during the region. And these businesswomen said, Jesus is king and he's changed our lives and we'll put all of our chips on the table so that Jesus and the disciples can focus on the ministry. These women made the ministry of Jesus possible. I don't think Jesus was saying, none of you can ever have any money and you've got to hate your life and you just got to just make it difficult for everybody. That's not what he was saying. Jesus is saying, don't put yourself in a situation where you think you're God, where you think you're in charge of your resource, where you think that if it's going to be, it's going to be up to you. Don't live like that. Don't store up for yourselves and put yourself in a situation where you think you have to be God. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers of the field. The rest of the Bible fills out the picture about money that the righteous give an inheritance. So, so let's not turn Jesus' message into something he wasn't trying to preach. But the question is, why do we stockpile and hoard? Why do we stockpile and hoard? And why would Jesus have to say, don't store up treasure for yourself? We stockpile and hoard because we think we can get to a point where we don't have to live by faith. But no one gets out of living by faith. <laughs> Bezos is living by faith right now. Yes. It could all go wrong, right? And it's interesting. You read the Exodus account, the Exodus account, the people of Israel for 400 plus years, they're, they're slaves in Egypt. They've been stripped out of the promised land and they're living in exile. And you know who's the one that, that, that loses sleep and has nightmares about money? Pharaoh. The, the Israelites are sleeping great at night. They're out, I mean, they're working hard during the day, more bricks, less straw. Like they're, every single day they're going hard and it says that they fall asleep at night and, and Yahweh gives them sweet sleep and he's their provider. Pharaoh is the one who loses sleep. The richest man on the face of the earth at that point is the one who's having nightmares about scarcity. We think if we have enough money, if we stockpile and hoard, that we won't have to live by faith and we'll be okay. But I'm just saying that is an illusion. Every single one of us, every human being has been called into a faith interaction with Yahweh God. We stockpile and hoard because we don't want to live by faith. And Jesus continues to call us to pray for daily bread, for God's provision. But why do we stockpile and hoard? Yeah, because we want to be God. Jesus then turns us to these two very simple examples. He says, look at the birds and look at the flowers. What do we need to learn from the birds and the flowers here? I haven't given a ton of thought. I've, I've had this memorized since I was a little boy. Look at the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. But I haven't given, like, why was Jesus talking about birds and flowers here? I wanna put a few things in front of you tonight that I think we can learn from the birds and from the flowers about God's provision. First, by looking at the birds and the wildflowers, you can know that you're intrinsically beautiful to God. Just at a base level, like God is enamored with you. God is a, like birds and wildflowers. That's just kind of gratuitous. Like, do, do, is that like essential to, yes, it's essential to life. Why? Because God loves birds and wildflowers. And he thinks they're beautiful. And he loves to hear their song. And he loves to see the, the hills light up with that beautiful blue and that beautiful purple. And he loves the yellow. God is just gratuitously enamored with his creation. And if God cares about birds and wildflowers, God thinks you're beautiful and he's not going to leave you on your own. 
When you look at the birds and the wildflowers, you see that God can take care of even the smallest details of creation, and so he's going to take care of your story. The second thing that I want you to see is the birds and the wildflowers don't own anything. For them, every bit of life is a miraculous gift. They don't own anything. And we think we own. Oh, I'm, I got this. I'm start to invest. Look, I'm, invest. Do it. Go for it. Knock it down. It's not yours. It's, it's, I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry. I want it to be mine. I want it to be ours. I want us to be in charge. Give us this year our yearly bread, and then we'll just check back in at the end of the year. We'll be fine. We'll manage it. We'll be good stewards. But leave me alone. I don't want to live by faith. I want to be an owner. Leave me alone. I'm okay. We'll check back in. The birds and the wildflowers own nothing. Everything is just gift. I go out and watch the birds, and they're out in the morning, just, just looking in the ground. There's stuff down there. Holy smokes, the early birds out there getting the worm. And just, we were driving to church tonight, and there's, we live out on some land, and there's migratory birds that come through. And there was this goose couple, I don't know what you call them, a man and a wife. And they stay together their whole life. They're, they're geese, they're Canada geese, and they stay together their whole life, and they go away when it's cold, and they come back when it's warmed up, and they came back two weeks ago. Last year, the male got killed by a coyote. So the, the woman is bereaved, and she's by herself, and, and, and we thought that was it. She came back two weeks ago by herself. She's out, and we were coming to church, and she was out in the front yard just going, And just dropping stuff everywhere she goes. And everything, just unbelievable. She's, she's had the worst year of her life. And here she is, she's back and she's just living and everything's a gift and there's water and there's, I don't know what geese eat. She's out there just, everything is a miracle. Do you understand you're alive? Do you understand that you're here like the sun is shining? Life has been, life is hard. I'm not, but here, here they are, the birds and the wildflowers and they're just singing their song and they climb up into trees or they go crawl in the, the, the cattails along the creek and every day they get up and they go, blessed be the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come and the whole earth is full of his glory and he's never left me and he's never forsaken me and here we are and we're just out Loving life, and we think we're owners. And because we think we're in charge, we kind of get the furrowed brow, and we get anxious, and, and we, now we've turned everyone into competition, and there's only so much space, and, and there's just birds everywhere going, hey, what's up? <laughs> you good, you good? Yeah, there's worms over there too? Great, there's worms over here too. Ah! They don't own anything, and we are stewards. You need to remember that every, God, every God-given blessing is not yours. You've never seen someone on their deathbed clutching a possession. I, I sit with people all the time who are dying. None of them have stuff on the bed. They're holding someone's hand. Go to the end 
and imagine yourself in that moment and imagine what will matter to you and then work back and start letting that matter to you now. So go out and work and be aggressive and knock it down and be successful. But remember, you are not an owner. You are a steward of the gift that God has given you, like the birds and the wildflowers. Number three, by looking at the birds in particular, you can know that hard work, thrift, and industriousness are the gifts we bring to the table. I'm not saying we're passive here and we're just waiting for heaven and I'll just kind of mail it in and, oh, Jesus said I couldn't have anything and I shouldn't, oh, whatever. No, work. Go for it. They get up and no one is, they don't have bosses. They do it because they're made to do it. Like we are made to image the creator God who just says, let there be, and there was, and who's creating and who's engaging and who's imagining a beautiful future. God in the dust and he's forming us and he's breathing the breath of life. God works and so we work. And so you look at the birds in particular and they're industrious and they're thrifty. They're making their homes out of a bunch of trash broken sticks and feathers that the goose dropped and all this other stuff and trash from new construction. And they go, oh, that's useful. Oh, we can borrow that. Oh, our kids will receive the benefit of that warm blanket at night. Like friends, be thrifty, be energetic, be excellent, work hard, be industrious, be frugal. Like go make your mark on the world. Like that is what we offer to God as our sacrifice. That's what we offer to our friends as our sacrifice, our work. Number four, by looking at the lavish way God provides for the birds and the wildflowers, you can know how much of a priority you are to God. God is very interested in your well-being. God is very interested in your flourishing. God is very interested in your peace, which is why Jesus stands up and says, can we stop it with the worry?" Can we stop it with thinking we're owner? Can we stop it with thinking we're God? Like, consider. Like, if God takes care of them, you can know how much more of a priority you are to God. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So I'll summarize it like this. Worry is a natural first human response to the realities of our world, but for those of us who daily choose to trust in Jesus, peace is not only possible, peace is our inheritance. Peace is our inheritance. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. I do not give it as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus wants peace for us. Do not worry about your life. Jesus comes to tell us what not to worry about, but then Jesus doesn't leave us there. Jesus tells us what to be interested in. Jesus tells us what to care about. Jesus tells us what we ought to go to bed praying about and thinking about and get up and work for. Jesus shoots us straight. He says, don't seek financial security in your own godness. Don't do that. Seek first the basileia. Seek first the kingdom. Matthew 6, many of you have this on your refrigerator. Many of you have tattooed this on your body. Many of you heard this in children's camp when you were growing up. Seek first the kingdom. The, the Greek word there is basileia, which means God's royal power and kingship, God's dominion 
and rule. Jesus says, you wanna know what to care about? Care about the kingdom of God coming on the earth as it is in heaven. And so wherever you see the kingdom not playing out, seek it there. Today I was driving across town. I was on the opposite side. I don't go over there a ton, but an appointment took me that way. And as I was driving back, I remembered that my friends who were in their early 80s live right over there. And I thought, I've got to just stop in. So I stopped in and, and they come to the door and through the glass, they do that thing that we all do. We go, We got company. And they open up the door and they pour me a cup of coffee and we sit down and they let me sit in the man chair, you know, his big, just fluffy chair. And they give me the coffee and they're on the couches across from me. And we're talking and, and I remembered 18 years ago moving here with Lisa. We were just married and they're some of the first people we met at New Life. They were in their early, what, early 60s and now they're in their early 80s. Thriving, joyful. 20 years, 18 years ago, I was talking to them about money because I was 22 and we were just newly married and we were poor, but we wanted to save some money. And I said, tell me about finance because you've, you've, you've worked hard and obviously you've been frugal. And, and they told me their vocational story, how he had succeeded and, and, and rose to vice president of his very large company. And right at the end, as he was getting ready to retire, his stock options just went bonkers like blew up and he sold overnight and had this huge windfall and God he'd been blessed in his work but then on the way out the door it just went crazy and they went and they met with their financial advisor this guy wasn't going to tell me this but I just pestered him I said tell me everything I want to know what you've learned about money and he said, well, we met with our financial advisor and, and we told them that we're people who love Jesus and we, we, we read him in his office Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And he's here in his 60s at this point and he's telling the financial planner, God has been just embarrassingly good to us and, and he's been faithful to us and we don't deserve any of this, but somehow he gave it to us and we think that we're stewards. We don't own this. And so here's what we want after we die. You figure out how to do all this. That's what your job is. But we've got this resource and here's our wish. After we die for the next 25 years, we want missionaries all over the world to get their yearly wage paid for from our inheritance. 25 years, not 20 years. We want 25 years at, at least. Make, take this money and make it go for another 25 years after we're dead. People in Cambodia, they've been, they've been taking care of rescuing people out of the sex trade over there. And they, they have a deep heart for Cambodia. And so I'm just, I'm looking at these people. They could have gone on world-class trips and they've done nice things. They've enjoyed time with their family. Jesus is not mad about that. But these people did not see themselves as owners. They've seen themselves as stewards. And they said, when we die. So we're talking another, they're living well right now in their early 80s. That money is gonna fund because they heard the scriptures seek first the kingdom, the basileia, God's rule, God's dominion, God's reign. And it's not happening in Cambodia for little girls who are being abducted and sold into the sex trade. And so we're gonna pay for people who are over there rescuing those young girls. Why? because we don't need another stupid trip. We need those girls to be delivered from the sex trade. God, let your kingdom come on the earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says, when you lay in bed at night, don't think about your own good exclusively. Think about who needs the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Seek 
first the kingdom. Jesus says, seek first his righteousness. Seek first his dikaiosune is the Greek word that Jesus uses there. And right away, that word would have fired off for the listeners. It's the state of him or her who is as he or she ought to be. A whole human being made new in the blood of Jesus, washed and cleansed and people of integrity, the condition acceptable to God. Keep going on to the next slide. Seek first God's kingdom. It's integrity, it's righteousness, it's virtue, it's purity of life, it's correctness of thinking and feeling and acting. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and take care of people who need you to step into the brokenness and and seek first his righteousness. Get your life in the presence of God and let him Wash you. Let him make your word good. Let him make your thoughts clean. Let him make your integrity intact and make you strong. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. And then all of these things will be added to you. God will take care of you. He'll he'll give you this day your daily bread. He'll give you friendship. He'll give you a roof over your head. God will take care of your needs, but you don't need to seek first your needs. You need to seek first his kingdom and you need to seek first a righteous life and God will sort out the rest. Jesus is calling us to come back to what matters. Tonight I'll say to you as we're closing, you cannot control the stock market. You cannot control inflation rates. You cannot control interest rates. You cannot control the Fed. You cannot control Wall Street. There is so much, every, basically everything is out of our hands, but about two things. <laughs> Ask yourself, what's the next right thing I can do to partner with God's kingdom? What's the next right thing I can do? Not what is 40 years from now, like what is the next right thing? Who is God sending my way that I can be a part of God's dominion and God's rule taking over their lives? How can I serve their story? Seek first the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven and then ask yourself, what's the next obvious area of growth in my character? God, I want to repent. I want to humble myself. I need you to fill me with your spirit today. God, would you help me to bless those that curse me? Would you help me to pray for those who despitefully use me? Would you help me to turn the other cheek and to go the extra mile? Would you help me, Lord, to stretch out my arms for the life of the world just like Jesus did? God, make me like Jesus. Seek first the kingdom and seek first his righteousness and the rest will take care of itself. Jesus says, do not worry about your life. I'll give you permission to pay attention to it. Don't worry about it, though. You can pay attention to it. Some of you are are, are seeking to grow and to get better, and and you're you're thinking about the future, and you want to get educated, and you want to be excellent at your craft. That's excellent. Go for it. Go for it. Just see yourself as a steward, not as an owner. Some of you are thinking about retirement and and I'll say to you tonight, do not worry about your life. You can plan, seek your financial advisor, get on a budget, try to save wisely. All of that is fine, but do not worry about your life. Some of you are trying to plan for college. I'll say to you, do not worry about your life. Apply for scholarships and do well on your tests and be as serious as you can about your, your homework. All of that is great, but don't let worry take over 
your life. Some of you are business owners and you need this word tonight. Do not worry about your life. Be focused and join a mastermind and get help and get counsel and seek and, and, and budget and be wise, but don't let worry take you over because Jesus has peace for you tonight. I, I know a family here in Colorado Springs, dear friends that many years ago had a child come from the foster system into their home and after three or four months of this process, they were able to adopt this child that they loved. They fell in love with this child in that time. Like any of you who have fostered, you know it happens. They finally were, they got the court date on the calendar and they called all the family from around the country and all the family came in. It was a big week. The house was just chaos in all the right ways and parties and and they all went to the courtroom that day and the judge struck the gavel and the name was changed and they went up to the booth and took pictures and all of it. Just excellent. And then the family, after a week, all got on planes and went back home and this child that was adopted was the youngest in the family and, and the parents one day were, you know, week number two and just kind of, Settling down, they, they couldn't find the child in the home. And they freaked out. They ran out in the front yard, couldn't find the child. They went to the next door neighbors, couldn't find the child. They ran in the backyard, couldn't find the child. They're calling around. They're just the, 10 minutes of this. And any of you who have lost a child for that kind of, like you just know your imagination goes wild. And they're running all over and upstairs and into the basement and looking behind couches and they can't find the child. And finally the wife is running back in and she comes through the kitchen and she thinks, I haven't checked the pantry. And she opens up the pantry and there's the child sitting on the floor with food piled up on his lap. He'd been malnourished in the home that he grew up in. Give us this day our daily bread was real. And after all the party and all the festivities and everyone went home, this child had this fear. Went and shut the pantry door and sat on the floor. The light was off and had taken a bunch of food and had it in his lap and he was holding on to it. And the mom got down on the floor and said, honey, what's wrong? She said, you're safe. You're with us. You'll have what you need. I'm so sorry for what you've gone through. But I promise you, you're going to be okay. The child got up and I tell that story now because it was a good 10 years ago and that child is thriving, flourishing, very secure and confident and healed and whole and vibrant. But as I was praying this afternoon, I... That story came to me because I think many of us try to live this way. That there's a scarcity mindset and the world is competitive and I don't know if there's ever going to be enough. And so what we do is we, we tuck away and we worry about our lives and we try to circle the wagons and we hoard and we stockpile. And Jesus comes into the pantry and he gets down on his knee and he says, do not worry about your life what you will eat and what you will drink and what you will wear. Because the Father knows what you need and he loves you. So tonight, friends, I'm saying to you, the peace of Jesus is available to you. The security of Jesus is available to you. You know what you need to focus on? Seek first the kingdom. Seek first his rule 
and his reign. And if God sends someone your way who is lacking something that you have, give it to them. If you will seek first the kingdom, all these things. Seek first his righteousness. You can't control the world, but you can get on your knees in the presence of God and say, make me like Jesus. Make me clean, make me holy, make me forgiving, make me pure. Help me to bless those that, Jesus, make me like you. Jesus says, if you'll seek first the kingdom, if you'll seek first his righteousness, it's all going to be okay. Friends, do not worry about your life because God is with you. Can you say amen tonight? Would you stand with me? I wanna invite our communion servers to come forward. And I can't think of a better thing to do. Jesus is talking about bread, drink, and clothing, and provision. And on the night he's betrayed, the last thing he does is he gives us provision. He gives us himself. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna worship the Lord. We move through the room here. Our communion servers have these elements. They're prepackaged. It's fine. It's safe. It, it tastes terrible, but it'll work, all right? So you come and get these elements, go back to your seat, hold them there as we worship. And in just a minute, I'll come back up and we'll receive from the Lord together. Let's worship as we come forward. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength.